0: Off top, the Broncos won eleven to ten. How come they didn't win one team to ten? Uh, play the music. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show. All right. That'd was a game. Like, I kind of enjoyed that game. I gotta be honest. That that Monday night game, it felt like I got in a time machine. They were, like, protecting the ball. There were no turnovers to that, like, game-ending ending interception. There was no fumbles. It was just running back. It, like, felt like early 90s football. I kind of liked it. Just quarterbacks under center the whole game, headed off to the running backs, and the biggest plays in the game were, uh, Big runs by Zeke, well, mostly Pollard. Big runs by Saquon, yeah. uh, and I think Cooper Rush completed a couple passes when he needed to to complete them. But I think I have to I have to let go of my confirmation bias. And the Cowboys are not bad; they're actually really good. Like I thought they were going to be terrible before this before the season started, and then. It was like reaffirmed by them having a really putrid performance in week one against the Bucs. But the Bucks' defense is great, and the Cowboys are pretty good because their defense is also pretty damn great. At least that front is hellacious, and it makes life easier for everyone. So just an all-around impressive win. Can I, can I pitch a take to you? An interesting take, Charlie. Absolutely. Let me know how you feel about this. I might roll it out on Get Up this morning, actually. The Dak Prescott injury is good for the team because Mm. it forced them all to step up. Like, it was a team that felt like it was very reliant on Dak. They go as Dak goes. The defense is playing better. The defense is playing different. The offensive line, like, protected. Not that the... The Giants have some great pass rush, but the offensive line protected Cooper Rush in a way that they did not protect Dak. And it was against Wink Martindale, who is going to blitz the ever-living... I, I didn't cuss. He's just going to blitz you. I'm <laughs> proud of myself for holding the profanity back. But, and they protect protected the hell out of him, and that's partially because the running game was effective. It's partially because the O-line was good. And I think the major part of it is we have to... I'm, I'm hesitant to give credit to coaches, as you know, because they get too much credit as it is. But I do think part of this was they feel like Dak Prescott has fewer limitations or has no limitations. So the whole playbook is open and you want to score a hundred points. But with Cooper Rush, they're like, all right, we're going to move the pocket. We're going to do play action. We're going to run the ball. We're not going to have you out there. Pitch- what the hell is so funny? Charlie! I'm laughing,
1: you laughing at you because
2: you just mental gymnastics your way. That Dak uh, Prescott's too good to be coached well, and that's why the team is playing better with Cooper Rush. Hold on.
0: What's the alternative? I I think that's the most reasonable alternative. What is the alternative? That Cooper Rush is better than Dak? No, no. You okay, could, they just, so just they, they played a really good week one opponent. Yeah. That that's but they were they were bad against that opponent. I think the opponent was really good defensively Mm -hmm. not offensively but defensively but they also were like inept and the penalties were still a problem which actually don't tell anybody but the penalties were still a problem today or last night now that people are listening to it like they were not completely cured it helped that they were playing against the giants but they have not addressed whatever discipline or i don't know how what you chalk penalties up to but they haven't fixed that there's still lots of like well, not lots, but too many false starts, too many holdings that, like, killed first-half drives. They eliminated those in the second half, which was a lot better. It just felt like defensively they were impressive all game long. Offensively, they woke up in the second half. Cityland Lamb was dropping balls in the first half and making one-headed catches in the second half. It felt like Pollard had that one big run in the first half, and there was nothing else of note offensively in the first half. It took the Giants to score. Did the Giants take the lead? That's what happened, right? The Giants took the lead, and then all of a sudden, the Cowboys mm-hmm. kind of kicked okay. into higher gear yeah. and woke up and started to score points. But they ran the ball well all night. Um, oh, nice hat. Bo knows. I like that. I didn't notice that was a Bo Jackson hat. I saw a Bo Jackson uh, clip on the internet today when I was riding on the train. Just that You remember that one where he threw somebody out from right? He threw somebody out at third base from right field it's unbelievable and
2: any any Bo Jackson throwing clip is as impressive as any of his like running the football clips
0: he's just an incredible athlete it's so sad that his body couldn't hold up underneath the strain of his body Mm. it was just impressive oh got off tangent but um my bad back to the football game it felt like an old school football game. And maybe that's why I got drawn back to that Bo Jackson thought, because yeah. it was it was fun. It's a nice change up, uh, a good experience of let's protect these quarterbacks. And I feel bad for Daniel Jones, but also he's not good enough. Yeah. Like I, there were points when we need he needed to make plays and he didn't make them. And there were also the majority of the game, he was under duress. And it's just like, I, I don't know. I mean, I think I know about him. He did a great job not fumbling today because he got hit enough yeah. to fumble. Uh, but he doesn't make. I don't. I don't think you could tell the difference between him and Cooper Rush today. You know no. what I mean? Like they were yeah. kind of managed the same way. They're both game managed, and I think he's probably better than Cooper Rush. His athleticism, it's faster. That's yeah, for sure. yeah. His athleticism was. Uh, a boon in this game when the pass rush was getting after him, his running ability was impressive. I would take him over Cooper rush because of that. But yeah, I mean, I I'm not as high on Cooper as, as it feels like you might be.
2: No, no. I just, uh, I just think like, if you watch that game, he probably played just as well or better than Daniel Jones. Like, is that, Daniel Jones didn't light the world on fire. Yeah,
0: Daniel uh, Jones is not good. It's hard to, to, to suss out how bad he was. Actually, it's not that hard. He was bad, and the O-line didn't protect him. They both can, like, be true at the same time. When he got opportunities, he made, like, that one ridiculous jump pass with a man sitting in his lap. He dropped that right on the sideline. But I don't know. Other than that, I feel like Cooper had some had a better game than him. I do
2: I do have a I have, I have a Cooper Rush question. All right. I want I want to ask you what the narrative is going to be. So Dak has been out for a couple of weeks, probably going to be out for 5 more weeks, 4 or 5 more weeks.
0: They play the Commanders next week. They play the Rams after that. Is it up to, I mean, I thought it was like six weeks. And then Jerry Jones was like, nah, three yeah. weeks. Yeah. I mean, Jerry Jones. Back said, to, we're back up to six weeks now. I'm
2: just assuming
0: that, that Jerry Jones
2: is not actually going to be the doctor that clears him at this point the six to eight week timeline is legitimate,
0: but. So okay. it's going to be that cowboy hat doctor that, that <laughs> we saw on the field again. <laughs> okay. Let's just
2: imagine real medical professional
0: oh, looking at Dak okay. Prescott's stuff. Okay.
2: Commanders cooper rush probably look pretty good next week against that secondary yeah, yeah. the rams tough game eagles tough game uh, with a potentially high scoring game then they've out. got the lions and the bears there's a chance that cooper rush five weeks from now has won three gone three and two and he's four and two over this this chunk as a starter What is Jerry Jones and what is the press going to be saying against Cooper Rush he's four and two with
0: this team that we had written off after week one? It's going to be impossible to listen to. They're going to go crazy, but I mean, I want to go back to my theory about his limitations forced the coaches (laughs) to coach. You keep laughing at it. You think it's a bad theory?
2: (laughs) No, I just like, I I can't, I can't believe that the, the theory is that the, the coaches
0: are better because the player is worse yes that's the theory It's not a crazy theory it's a good theory so it's like how it's the same logic of like if you're driving an suv you might be a little bit more aggressive than if you're driving a bicycle you like you feel safer i do think they feel safer in calling plays and i think because of the heights that they've reached offensively with Dak Prescott, particularly Kellen Moore enters mm-hmm. games with Dak Prescott with the plan of we're going to score 35. You enter games with Cooper Rush with the plan of we're not going to blow this. We're only, we're going to scheme up throws that do not require him to read a defense that are like deep shots. This is when we're going to take chances. And I think with Dak Prescott, it's different. And they send them out there and they're like, They allowed Dak the latitude to make decisions at the line of scrimmage, which Cooper Rush did not make, not near audible all game long. It didn't even seem like he had like the check with me's where you like go to the line with two plays called and you can like kill the first play and go to the second play. They kept it simple for Cooper Rush. And I think that it's possible that sometimes they put a lot more pressure on Dak Prescott to do a lot more offensively. I don't think that's crazy. It's a good theory should they ask dak to do less? Uh sometimes yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I don't think they should ask him to do less like they do like they don't need to put kid gloves on him like they do with Cooper Rush, but I think sometimes they enter the game and they're like, "All right, Dak, do your thing. Start to finish." Which he's that's a that's a Josh Allen approach. He's not Josh Allen. Yeah. That's a Lamar Jackson approach. He's not that guy. Uh Mahomes, like he's not that guy. And we are learning that Russell Wilson is also not that guy. I think that Russell and Dak are similar in that way, that they can do incredible things and be incredible for stretches. However, they aren't just like green light as soon as they step in the gym, Steph Curry style. And I think sometimes they, they show that ability and that leads coaches to believe that that's the best thing for them. And it's an easier thing to do. So I I do think that there's a different mindset in the building. I think it's hard for us to measure and predict psychology of players. And different players and different teams react to circumstances differently. And this team played a really – I think you're going to dismiss everything that I've said just by saying they played the Bucs week one, and then they played the Bengals and the Giants. And that's the difference. I think that's part of the difference. I also, so you're not like, buying into all my psychological no, no, analysis? Yeah, no. I,
2: I, I, I like it a little bit more than I thought I was going to like it. Um, <laughs> you know, I think, I think it's fair to say that everyone needs a little motivation from time to time. I I think it's an indictment on Kellen Moore. If he coaches a worst game with Dak Prescott than he does with Cooper Rush. But... I I don't know. I'm a little bit floored by it because he's the, Kellen Moore is officially the exact opposite of Bill Belichick in every yeah. way. Bill Belichick coaching worse with Mac Jones and Tom Brady, but I guess each he, team his own.
0: I appreciate you challenging me. Maybe I'm getting caught up in my uh, morning television storyline like motivation. We need storylines for morning TV. Yeah. Maybe we don't need them for podcasts. This is, this
2: is the counter storyline though. Cause you know, the storyline is going to be, do we have a quarterback controversy brewing in Dallas and okay. your counter? Yeah. This is the counterfactual
0: that you're, I like that you're workshopping it here. Yeah. I, we got to test it out here. So, I mean, that's stupid. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. When I know you don't believe that, but when someone says that inevitably it's, if it's, it's probably going to be this week. If it's not this week, it'll be next week. You're going to see that today. You're going to see that today. Oh, uh, I'm going to lose my mind if I see that today. Wait, he's 3 and 0 as a starter, right? Cooper Rush.
2: Yeah. 2 and 0 so All far right, this cool. year. I undersold him. He could actually be 5 and 2 by the time Dak comes back, which is also That's wild. absurd.
0: He's not going to be five. That's the
2: schedule. Two. That's the schedule. No it's, not.
0: no, it's not. Give me those games again. Commanders? Okay, that's winnable. We'll give him a win there. Okay. That's three wins. Rams? That's a loss. Eagles? That's obviously a loss. Lions, that's a loss. I think they could win that game. I think they could, but I'm counting it as a loss for my own purposes. And then the Bears, ah, that's a win. So, yeah, that's, that's four, four and two in that stretch, or four and three in that stretch, depending
2: yeah. on the Lions game.
0: Ooh, I think we got a quarterback controversy. Let's trade deck. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything else of this game that's interesting? Like I. I The narrative of this game switched to me because like when you watch games, knowing that you're going to have to talk about it, like I'm taking notes and I'm completely Mm -hmm. prepared to blame the penalties, the mistakes, um, CD dropping a pass and uh, all of that stuff and um, Pollard making a big run but not scoring juxtaposed to Saquon making a big run and actually getting in the end zone. I I'm that's the storyline in my head is like they could not take advantage of their opportunities. Cooper Rush needed more help than he got because he's not the guy and the Giants playmakers stepped up. And then it all changed. Yeah. And it seemed like CD caught like six passes on that one drive in a one-handed touchdown. Um Poller was making positive runs. Zeke was was falling forward for five and six yards. Like, I feel like they averaged, like, eight yards a carry. It was stupid. Yeah. They were running the ball so well. And it just all changed. And then the Giants started dropping passes. And and I guess uh, Daniel Jones was running for his life all game. The
2: thing that I thought was, first of all, CeeDee Lamb, if 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 they had pinstripes, if this was the Yankees, this would be the CeeDee Lamb earned his pinstripes game uh, with the uh, – with the Cowboys, but I thought that this is one thing that I thought was very interesting was this was the game that proved both the running backs matter and the running backs don't matter theory, which is yeah. unbelievable. They both happened <laughs> in the same game that yeah. you had three running backs be awesome, uh, whether offensive line, obviously a huge part of it, three running backs be awesome and probably the three best players in this game. And then you look at it and you're like, one was the fifth pick or fourth pick in, in, in uh, Zeke, when was yeah. the second pick in Saquon yeah. Barkley? And you look at me like, damn, who's the best running back in that game? Oh, yeah, it's Tony yeah. Pollard, who's a fourth-round pick who Jerry Jones doesn't want to give the ball because he loves his first-round
0: running back, Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah. I I get where you're coming from. However, Tony Pollard is the aberration. Like, I, know. I, I know. Yeah, I, I think you have a higher – I am not suggesting – year 2022 that anyone draft running backs in the top 10 by any stretch but if you are going to have an early 90s style game you better go ahead and draft that guy early because you have a better chance of finding the guy but yeah you're right that it did prove that point everyone got something tonight
2: if you want to say running backs matter look at look at zeke look at saquon if not just look look at tony he's on the sideline of his helmet off because jerry won't give him the ball enough
0: (laughs) what about um uh, Lawrence, DeMarcus Lawrence, mm-hmm. he played his ass off. And that was impressive through the course of this game. And we got a slightly sick Micah Parsons, but he still was yeah. freakish. I don't think he ended up with any sacks, did he? But he he got pressure. He drew attention. He did impressive things. You saw that one time when he, he had a tackle on him. The tight end was also mm-hmm. to his side. He ricocheted off of both of them and ran through the guard. To like plant Daniel Jones just as he was throwing the ball.
2: So I know it's like it's it's just like a bull rush, but with Micah Parsons, I I've been in my head calling them defensive pancakes because he actually defensive pancakes <laughs>
0: uh, offensive yeah. lineman, which is I don't know anyone
2: else in the NFL who does that.
0: I like it. I like it. We need to add that as a stat because it's not a bull rush. You can get a bull rush. A bull rush yeah. is a move. Yeah, a pancake. A defensive pancake is a actual result. You're right. I think he's second to uh, – he's got to be second to Aaron Donald. Yeah. You remember when Aaron Donald played the Cowboys? Was that last year? And there were two plays where he just was throwing big old offensive linemen around. I think he had like three of them on one play, and he was just pushing them all in the deck Prescott. It was scary. He's the best.
2: He's the best. Yeah. Uh, one, one thing before we move on. Is the Cowboys defense like kind of good? Yeah. They're yeah. very good. They, yeah, they're a totally underrated unit, right?
0: Yeah, they are very good. I did not think they were going to be this good. I thought that if they were going to be good, it was going to be based on Micah Parsons, and that's what it is. It's like that front is so impressive that it covers up issues that they have in the back end when they do have issues in the back end. And that Giants offensive line I thought was going to be better. They had had a rough time tonight. The young tackles were. In uh, in hell with uh, Lawrence and Parsons, and they even started blitzing some too. It was rough. They, when they when um Daniel Jones was running the ball, they started to to blitz to answer that, and that crushed everything. So yeah, this I think this defense is really good, and offense is being smart, taking pressure off of the defense. The offense is well. The offense is well coached. The defense is good. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't even go as far as to say the offense is well coached. The offense is well-managed or at least they, they have Ooh. been well-managed in the last couple of weeks. Like I, I didn't see anything revolutionary out there. I'm not calling Kellen Moore a genius. And Quinn on the other hand, actually I wouldn't call him a genius either. They got boys on the other side that are making plays. That's what it boils down to. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. Is that enough? Can we go um, in the time machine now? Or is there more stuff on this game that we need to discuss? Let's time travel all right our dolphins because we are a dolphin pod big win over the weekend and yeah. we predicted it so that makes it even bigger and better and so they're going to win the super bowl and our podcast is going to go through the roof right that's right that's right the the game i was really high on it uh like sunday after the game I was really high excited about our dolphins winning to us, health was a concern, but they played well enough. The defense was great in key moments. But then I've taken some time to rewatch the game and think about what actually happens and break it all down. And while I still think the Dolphins are competitive, I'm less like the Dolphins are. I think maybe I'll probably do a power ranking on um get up this week, and I might put Dolphins at number one. We'll see, but I think that's my heart and not my head. Cause when I watch that game, it feels like there are some extenuating circumstances that gave the Dolphins that win. They would have been in the game either way, yeah. but they tried to give it away with the butt punt. The Bills struggled in the red zone. They had no trouble really moving the ball, but they struggled in the red zone. Josh Allen did some like old-school Josh Allen crazy things, like the fake spike that almost got intercepted that cost them points, and then the terrible accuracy or inaccuracy on man-to-man coverage. Like He was doing some old-school Josh Allen stuff, along with also throwing for 400 yeah. yards, which is in running people over and juking the hell out of them. So it was a full Josh Allen experience. So I got three. I got
2: three questions for you about this game, because Josh Allen, you you just laid the point that I think is leads to questions about the Bills' offense, and that one is they basically he had a Big Twelve stat line. He threw the ball sixty three times, and we all know running backs don't matter. You don't want to run the ball, but like not being able to run the ball and not having a run heavy offense are two very different things. And does it give you any concern that right now the Bills cannot? does not seem like the Bills can run the ball at
0: all. Um, I mean, it gives me some concern for the Bills on a like a are the Bills perfect conversation. Yes, it gives me some concern there. But no, they're not perfect, which no team is. And they all have shortcomings. And if their shortcoming is their best running back is also their quarterback. They're not the only team in the league that's like that. And he is probably the biggest and sturdiest because it's not that they can't run the ball um it's just like they don't they can't run the ball with a running back I, I feel like the design Josh Allen runs in this game they weren't as good as they weren't as productive as they have been but it feels like that's a reasonable um running attack you know like it's not and maybe I'm wrong but I don't feel nervous about that I mean, do we
2: want that though like do we want that we we always think that Josh Allen and Cam Newton are indestructible but then Cam Newton becomes n- Current yeah. Cam Newton. Like, I don't think the Bills
0: want that. Well, I mean, now. if he follows the the Cam Newton timeline, as far as health is concerned, he's already probably better than Cam Newton at his best. Oh, but yeah, if he follows that, better. I meant physical yeah, comparison. If he follows that with the team that they have around him, that's good enough to get them to a couple Super Bowls, and we'll see what happens when he gets there. So I think mm-hmm. they would take that, a 10 year outstanding Josh Allen, over. Uh, 16 years of Josh Allen being a version of himself. That's not all that great. I have been surprised. And I guess that's the point is the lack of running attack that they like traditional running attack. Well, like yeah, a variety. It's forced them into like this Josh. Cause last year they didn't run the ball with Josh Allen nearly as much. It, it felt like early in the season design run. So getting them in that position is not great for them. But I think what's why it matters is when the defense knows what you're going to do, it makes it really hard to do it no matter who you are when you're in the NFL yeah. and you have a couple past concepts that you major in. You want to be able to force the defense to adjust to more, more things. You don't have to be a dominant running attack, but be able to pick up four yards when you're going up against a light box doesn't feel like they can do that regularly. And the ability to do that does force the defense into uh tougher situations. And I thought the Dolphins didn't have a good running game statistically, but it felt like at times when they needed to run, they gotta run. And maybe that's just like yeah, bad eyeball analysis, but it, it certainly seemed like they were able because when I I, I watched the game and then rewatched it, I was like, damn, Dolphins ran the ball pretty well. Then I looked at the numbers, I was like, ugh, the Dolphins didn't 17 carries for 41 yeah. yards. But uh the touchdown runs big conversions there were it seemed like at times when they needed to run they ran the ball well and that's all that's all the bills really need to do is make people respect their running attack and you they have the personnel to do it you would think but yeah I think it like it speaks to practice you can only be good at so many things you know, and so it requires a lot of practice and dedication to the running attack, I would believe, to be good at it. And they are dedicated to pass protecting and letting Josh Allen cook. Yeah. And I think that's I think that's
2: a, a fair way to look at it. And but and I think I wanted to ask that question because I wanted to know if we put a cap on the team. But what I really think the looming question over this game is basically you look at the total yardage and the Bills outgained the Dolphins. 515 to 212 in, in, in the yard discrepancy. And I look at that and the bills should probably score 35 points when you score 500 or when you uh, gain 515 yards. And so do you, you either of these teams differently? Cause I think it's fair to assess the bills and the Dolphins. Right. I personally, I don't, yeah. but I would love to know
0: if you do. I, 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 I don't, but I think other people should for the dolphins. So like, yeah. I, I've been high on the Dolphins since before the season started. So I thought that they had this level of competitiveness. But I do think they proved it. With what they did last week, people could chalk that up as a fluke. Fourth quarter went crazy. The Ravens secondary had bust after bust. And that's not a real thing. Um, For them to come back and knock off the best team in football, uh, I think that people should consider them a realistic contender. Even though the way they did it, to the point that we were making is the the Bills' drives. They went touchdown. Then the next drive was ended by a fumble. Then they scored a touchdown. And then they got forced to punt, which is impressive. Then it was end of quarter with that spike or end of half with that uh, fake spike foolishness that Josh Allen tried that didn't work. Then they kicked a field goal. And then they missed the field goal. And then they were they were turned it over on downs and then the game ended again with them with the ball in the red zone. So they had no problem moving the ball and they had no problem scoring earlier, but towards the end of the game, they just kind of fell apart in the red zone, which red zone efficiency is one of those things that it falls in the turnover category. That part of it is randomness, you know, and if they can move the ball like that consistently, they're going to be a pretty good team. So I'm not, I'm not down on the bills and it was hot as hell. People were passing out and, and uh not finishing the game that's not a it's a september in miami problem that's not a problem that you're going to have uh late in the season or in the playoffs no matter where you end up playing so i'm not worried about the bills but i do think the dolphins opened some people eye open some people's eyes and also like proved it to themselves which is some cliche foolishness but i think it matters no
2: i i i agree like i you watch games like that we came into this season with legitimate questions about if Tua is a game managing quarterback, how good this team is going to be. Is it just going to be the weapons when you win close games and you win in tough situations? That matters. I don't care what the nerds say. Um, we're, we're a pro and we're a pro nerd podcast. that can think for itself. Um, <laughs> I like it. And I, when we're going to move on to other narrative stuff, because I have a question to ask you about something that I've been thinking about for the last two weeks, I think is maybe the most under talked about storyline in the NFL And I have a bunch of questions about Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars. And I think he's not getting attention because he is Trevor Lawrence of the Jacksonville Jaguars. But this guy was supposed to be John Elway when he came out of the draft. He basically went toe to toe with Justin Herbert yesterday, blew them out, was throwing highlight reel throws that made Justin Herbert like, you know, football porn last year for all of us guys who want to follow it. And i at this current point would pick the jaguars to win the afc south because he's clearly the best quarterback in that division that be division is terrible but what is the turning point you see coming for when people pay attention to trevor lawrence doug peterson and the jaguars
0: yeah, they're two and one right now and that's not enough to get people's attention especially in jacksonville i think you're right they're the best mm-hmm. team in that division uh i was nervous that uh, i was forced to pick like a team that could surprise people uh on get up and i picked the jaguars i was a little nervous about that pick but i'm happy to see it coming at least a little bit to fruition early on in the season because trevor, trevor lawrence is is incredible i mean they have a lot of really talented players they they stink all the time they pick at the higher the at the um top of the drafts so they have a lot of really talented players josh allen their pass rusher uh the namesake of the quarterback but obviously not the quarterback is playing well The defense is playing well um so, yeah, I, I really like this team for them to get this attention. It has to be in prime time. They have to do it in prime time at some point and they have to rack up some more wins. And that's what it comes down to. And we'll start talking about them then. And this is OK. But counterpoint to that. And a quick count.
2: If you look at point differential in the NFL, they're second. They're between the Bills and the Eagles. If I erase the name and I made that the Chiefs, you'd be like, Mahomes, QB1, come on. Chiefs are Chiefs are doing chief things. It's the Jaguars. And this is a team that we laughed at for four months last year.
0: Coaching matters. Organizational stability matters. This is why I know no one wants to hear me say, get on my players' rights high horse again. But this is why I am fully in favor of any player demanding a trade or refusing to go to the team that drafts them. Because if uh, Urban Meyer was just a little bit more competent, He'd still be down there ruining Trevor Lawrence's career, and we'd be like, "Trevor Lawrence is a bust." When in actuality, no, it just was a, a shit show down there. And who can survive in that right now? Um, Trevor Lawrence is seventh in QBR, uh, behind Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, and that, that's that's uh, considering where they were last year, that's like. I don't want to say MVP conversation, but like if they win a division and they keep going and he keeps having these highlight throws, you're right. It's still Jacksonville, but that's the type of stuff that I I think will change the way we talk about this team and talk about Trevor Lawrence going forward. But it, it comes, you, you pointed out win or point differential, you can point out all the numbers you want. People don't care about it until they see it. And Jacksonville plays in a midst of a bunch of other games, and it's not a marquee teams. So There's no one's looking to talk about them. They're going to have to do a Monday night, Thursday night, uh, Sunday night. It's going to have to be a primetime game. Either that or they just got to keep winning. So they're going to have to earn our respect. I think they already have my respect and your respect. But for us to have this Trevor Lawrence and Jack Jacksonville-like conversation on major platforms regularly – they're going to have to do it regularly. And that's why Patrick Mahomes gets the benefit of doubt and guys like that, because they've been doing it for long enough for us to assume that it's not an aberration.
2: It's just fascinating because like, there's nothing we as a viewing public more, like more than confirmation uh, bias. And that's usually, well, that's usually when a prodigy pans out. It's like, oh, I told you, freshman at Clemson, this guy's the next John Elwood. We're literally having that and no one cares. Jacksonville is more powerful than our own, uh, our own confirmation bias. I think and we love nothing more than being right. We do
0: love confirmation bias, but we also love uh, a fall. We we love a great fall. So I think it's somewhere cut in between. I think some people appreciate the idea that Trevor Lawrence was going to be a bust. So he's going to have to do this a few more weeks. And then we'll all jump on our confirmation bias thing and point out how we knew he was going to be great and blame Urban Meyer, who deserves our scorn um well that's the big that's the big question of it too like it or I didn't know if Doug
2: Peterson was that good of a coach and I don't know if it's just a comparison to Urban Meyer but like now you look back at him almost getting Carson Wentz an MVP and you're like
0: that was pretty good
2: is is he coaching does matter Is is he
0: do you think he's a good coach um yeah I guess I mean I have nothing it's hard to base it on because it felt like the Super Bowl run Uh, Frank Wright got a lot of credit for that, but I guess it's hard to give him credit now considering how he's playing. Um, And it's early in Jacksonville and they just came from, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm parsing things. Yes, he's a good coach. They were trash last year. They have not changed much in that building other than the coaching staff. And now they're the best team in their division. So I don't know who else you give the credit to than the head coach and Christian Kirk. After he, <laughs> and the staff that they brought in, and and Christian Kirk, who's was uh got a lot of heat because he made a lot of money, which is not his fault. And he's, I guess, he's living up to it. I guess I don't know. He's playing
2: well. All right, that's all. That's all the Jacksonville questions I had.
0: Barnstown, Kentucky. 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely.
1: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful slash DF today to get 10% off your first month. That's help, com slash DF.
2: Should we move on to our game that I like to call dead ass wrong? This is through three weeks of the NFL season. I've been dead ass wrong about blank oh. insert a bevy of things oh. and i want dominique foxworth to explain why. oh
0: i like this so i don't have to admit to the things that i'm dead ass wrong about no it's no just you're dead no no this man. is All right, cool go ahead this
2: is me uh i'm taking the heat here and passing and you get to explain why i was okay done. no problem coming into the season i thought the broncos won the russell wilson trade through yeah. three weeks i have been dead ass wrong <laughs> Can you, Dominique Foxworth, explain
0: why? I can't. I wish I could, but I can't. Uh, So Nathaniel Hackett, I guess, is all I can blame it on. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett is game management, and his proximity to uh, Aaron Rodgers had people thinking that he was a good offensive coach. It doesn't appear to be panning out. And uh, Russell was on a slide last season that we – Chalked up to a hand injury that maybe it wasn't just that, but I can't figure out what's wrong with him when I watch. Uh, it's not like the receivers aren't open, there are plenty of receivers open on occasion, so I, I guess that takes the pressure off Nathaniel Hackett. But I I'll be honest with you, I can't really explain what's wrong with him. The defense has been playing really well, and you only want a little bit, a little bit more from their offense, they, they've won, so <laughs> I guess. We should be happy for them. But they won because of safety, which, again, falls on their defense playing really well. So I'm sorry. This is a bad way to start this new game. I like the concept, no. but I don't have a real answer for you for why Russ is, well, is not good. And this team is not good.
2: I I got a, I have a few follow up questions that maybe we can tease that together. The first one is like I think you're right. Russ has eaten off of those first first six games of 2020 when he was talking about never getting MVP votes more than any quarterback in recent memory because he hasn't been that good since. But are the Broncos completely shitting themselves for the contract they just gave Russell Wilson at this point? Three games in.
0: I mean, I don't see how they can't be nervous about it. Because like I mentioned, there are people open in the middle of the field. That's not where Russ is hitting. And he hasn't been hitting his deep balls the way that you tend to like... Russell to play. There's nothing if you took the name off the back of the jersey and you watch this watch Russell play, you would have very little faith in this team going forward or this player going forward. So, yes, I'd be concerned if I committed uh, over 100 million dollars in a contract that takes you to 2027 to this quarterback who we haven't we haven't seen be good and. Quite some time now, and has yet to be good in your uniform. And you're also committed to a coach. I guess they got long money. Their Walmart money is long, so they can get off the coach whenever they want to. Uh, Walmart money is not long enough to circumvent the salary cap, so they're gonna have to figure out a way to do that. Slide somebody else some money under the table to get them in. If Russell can't figure it out, I still have hope that he can figure it out. But I don't have any anything to point to. I guess week one he. He moved the ball well, and they sputtered in the red zone, which wasn't his fault. But yeah, it's hard to point His has gotten worse every single week. So it's it's
2: not trending in the right direction, even though Nathan has his special game managing assistant coach now. Yes, Ross
0: right? He he was the guy, um, when I was in Baltimore, he was Harbaugh's assistant head coach. So maybe he can bring some of that magic. I don't know. I thought it was a good decision to do, but... It really kind of undercuts your coach. Like I I hate it for Nathaniel, but whatever. All right. What else were you wrong about? So I'm going to move on to the second one. I think this is one
2: that you've been pretty passionate about. I thought it was a mistake that Lamar Jackson didn't work out a contract before the season. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a mistake that he was negotiating his own deal. I thought it was unrealistic to expect him to go back to his 2019 form and be a dominant runner and passer the way he was that year because he was so special that year. I thought the Ravens offense had stagnated. I was dead (laughs) wrong. And I want you, Dominique Foxworth, to explain why. Yeah, so
0: I had no problem with him going into the season and playing because the career-ending injury rate is not something that happens very often. Like, it's a low percentage chance. Um, The devaluing injury idea, like, also to me, for somebody like Lamar, is less of a concern I didn't think that there was any way he could go through this season and have less leverage. Like, there's obviously a way, but I thought it was a higher percentage chance that he ends this season with more leverage than he had uh, in the previous season. And, yeah, like, he's better than everybody else. (laughs) That's how you were dead (laughs) wrong is you forgot that. You You let the injuries creep into your head and make you believe that he was not great. And he's gotten better. With his, uh, his pocket presence and his... I mean, he always has been a pocket passer, but he's gotten better from the pocket so far this year without running the ball, and he's still running for 100 yards in games. It's... it's you know how... He running the ball better than he did last yeah. year. You know how, frust- how it frustrates me when um, people talk about quarterbacks and say it's their responsibility to raise the level of everyone around them? He's actually doing it, and he's not... And where, where the level is not raised... He just does it himself. It's, it's really incredible what he's doing so far this season. He had four touchdowns through the air and 100 yards on the ground. Like, I, I don't know how things the Ravens need to hurry up. I guess he's not negotiating now, but they need to hurry up and pay him before the price goes up. Well, this is the interesting part. I think it's still completely uh, unrealistic
2: that he's going to get the guaranteed money that Sean Watson wanted. And that's what's sort of been, or got, and that's what's sort of been reported. And that seems like a one-off thing that the rest of the league is like, that Jimmy Haslam guy's kind of yeah. crazy. We aren't doing that. Right. It's like, do you think that's possible? Like where, where does this end
0: with him? I think it's possible, but I I think it's unlikely that he gets the fully guaranteed contract. I think he's going to get a huge guarantee. And if he's comfortable with this contract, uh, Kurt Cousins strategy, then he will get the fully guaranteed contract. So, like, if if they don't give him a contract that he likes and he has to play under the franchise tag next year, and then he does it again, the third year, they will not put him under franchise tag. He'll be an unrestricted free agent. And then he'll be in a position similar to what Deshaun Watson was in, where Deshaun Watson wasn't truly a free agent, but the team that he was with didn't want him so he could go shop his services Mm -hmm. around. So then he'll be able to shop his services around and someone will be willing to guarantee him every dollar that he wants, whether that's where, where he wants to go. That's that'll be, that'll we'll find out about that when that time comes. But if his goal is to get a fully guaranteed contract, it may take two years from now, but he'll get it.
2: Yeah. Do you think he's as good at, do you think he's on the tier with uh, Josh Allen and Pat Mahomes now? Absolutely. I, I mean I viewed them as a separate entity of everyone else, aliens that exist on a higher plane. But now I'm wondering.
0: That's a tough question. I mean, I I obviously when you're talking about value to their team, he's number one. Um really? Oh yeah. Above of above the bills with Josh Allen. Yeah. Why? Mm-hmm. Because what that what Lamar Jackson means to his team as far as his ability to impact the game, it's more important. Like he brings more value to his team than uh, Josh Allen does. Josh Allen. And I guess it's more about uh, Lamar's uniqueness because. Mm -hmm. You pull Josh or pull, pull Lamar out of his situation, drop average quarterback in there. It's a tire fire. The same is not true for Josh Allen. I think you drop average quarterback in there. They have good receivers. They have a good offensive line. They have talented defense. I don't think it's the same. And maybe that speaks more to their uh, uniqueness than it does to their value.
2: Tyler Huntley was kind of good.
0: Yeah, Tyler Huntley was kind of <laughs> good. Okay. All right. I Well, I'm dead. <laughs> wrong. There we go. Josh Allen <laughs> and Lamar Jackson Ooh, let's go. are both uh, peers when it comes to um, their value to their team. You're
2: right. By the way, this was the most mature Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson debate of all time. I un- I unintentionally pitted them against each other, but not with one being good, one. What being happens bad, with them both being excellent? So pat- patting ourselves on the back.
0: What happens if you switch them?
2: That's a fascinating question. I'll tell you one thing that happens: the Bills can run the ball. <laughs> well played. All right. What else were you dead talk at- about? All right. So the next one I have is something that I think is pretty fascinating. And that's, I want to go to the Eagles for a second on this one. because They're one of your final four teams, and they're a team that I really like going into the season. But this is something we have vigorously agreed about, that they were going to go as far as Jalen Hurts could take them, and we viewed him as potentially a, a weak point or a sticking point for the Eagles. Now he's one of the best QBs in the league. Like, I view him stylistically as a more solid, more, more dependable Kyler Murray. Why were we so, or why was I so? I mean, dead and I run?
0: was too. I didn't think this was the ceiling. He's MVP conversation right now. It's early. I know, but he's playing yeah. incredibly well Is QBR six in the league and his team is unbeaten and he's putting up impressive video game numbers week in and week out. I don't think if you asked me, I wouldn't have expected that either. He got better. <laughs> and... Players yeah. tend not to get like Josh Allen is the example of a player who just like had an astronomical leap. Jalen Hurts is looking like one of those players right now who just has an astronomical leap and makes one of his weaknesses, his strengths. While Josh Allen struggled against man coverage this week, he hasn't. And uh, last season or year before that, but the year before that we were like, Oh, Josh Allen can't beat man coverage. He doesn't have the accuracy to beat man coverage. They gave him a receiver that could beat man coverage. That is, for Jalen Hurts is he can't beat zone coverage as a passer and he can't pass from inside the pocket seems like that's all he's doing this year. <laughs> and if you can make your weakness mm-hmm. your strength, that's something that I cannot predict. Uh, and that is how you and I both ended up wrong on Jalen Hurts is we had no way of believing that this quarterback who got his job taken in college because he couldn't pass from the pocket. And then Hadn't really shown the ability to pass from the pocket or pick apart zones yet in his NFL career. We had no reason to believe that AJ Brown showing up and whatever offseason work uh that Jalen Hurts did was gonna pan out this well. Like you wanna, you're bad at something, you wanna like get to average. So it's not a weakness. It's like a strength now. The last couple of weeks, it's just been a strength of him killing these zone coverages from the pocket. And if he can do that, guys <sighs> the limit for this team. It's like really
2: interesting. I think back to a draft eval I read of, or a draft report, I should say, I read of Jalen Hurts before he his uh, rookie season. And this is, I feel like this is a report that gets leaked from time to time where they were like, ooh, Bill Belichick really loves Jalen Hurts off the field. He feels that he's like simpatico with the way that Bill Belichick uh, thinks about football. Nick Saban said he was an extension of the coach on the field. And I sort of just took that report and threw it in the trash. And I was like, Jalen Hurts, Probably a really good guy, still not an accurate passer. I kind of think that might've mattered more than I thought that he was like, they were basically telling us that he had the intangible of having an incredible football mind. And now he's matched with Nick Sirianni who might be a better coach than we realized too.
0: Yeah, that's a, I think that's another, I think we accepted Nick Sirianni was a good coach um, last year when they switched their offense. And I think that's part of it is they switched their offense to this like quarterback run-centric offense. And that's when they started to, to succeed. And I think that's when we were like, all right, well, they're gonna go as far as Jalen Hurts can take them because he is they're doing this kind of semi unique thing. But then if he's branched out to be able to do it the way that Peyton Manning does it, and also still run the ball, then this team is gonna be a problem. I guess you could point at uh they beat Detroit. Uh, Minnesota and Washington right now, which none of them... Yeah. I guess Washington's defensive front is good, but none of them are like defensive powers, so maybe that's part of the reason why he's putting up these numbers, but they're NFL teams, and he's cooking them, so I like it. He had 340, so he had more passing yards in this last game than he had against uh, Minnesota when he was just mm-hmm. swallowing Minnesota up. 340 and three touchdowns. Yeah, he's the man. Sick. Um, All right, I got two more quick
2: ones. I thought Devontae Adams would make the Raiders uh, a dynamic offense. In his last two games, he has 48 yards on 17 targets. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Making them a, a dynamic offense is not only about him catching the ball, you know, and a receiver can only do so much. The scheme stinks and the quarterback's not playing well. I think Devontae Adams should open it up for other people. And if it's not opening up for other people, he should be making big plays. He's not having a terrible season, but this offense isn't good. This team isn't yeah. good. Uh, and it comes down to us, I think, giving a lot more credit to Josh McDaniels than he deserves.
2: Oh, you think like, maybe we should have went what... into him not taking the Colts job and going back for a second internship with the Patriots?
0: Oh, gosh. And he just gets it and we keep thinking he's good or not. We, but he failed at his first stop um, as a head coach in Denver. Then he went back and like excelled with Tom Brady as your quarterback, as he did before. And then didn't really do much when Tom Brady was gone. And then people thought he was a genius again. And he got another job. I don't, I don't get it. I wasn't high on him or high on this team. I did expect them to do better offensively. I thought they would lose a bunch of shootouts. But this ain't pretty, and they got Gus Bradley over there. Oh no, it's not. Gus Bradley's gone now. He's with the Colts. But anyway, they don't have the talent they need defensively to compete with people. This team is done in that bad or in that tough division, yeah, which might not be as tough as All we right. thought. All right, last one. Let's not spend any more time on the Raiders. Okay, last one. This is a quick one,
2: and this is one we were both dead talking about before the season. <laughs> You postulated and I agreed that Justin Fields should demand a trade because the Bears are putting him in a bad position. You know, sometimes results are wonky and the Bears are a very unconvincing 2-1. and one. But Justin Fields has been really, really, really bad so far to start this year. Yeah.
0: The Bears should be
2: demanding better quarterback play from Justin
0: Fields. Um, we were dead wrong because I think we did not appreciate... That Justin Fields is not developed into the quarterback that we had all hoped he should be yet. And part of that development is around is about what's around him. So I'm not ready to commit to being dead ass wrong. I think we're dead ass right, is that he should have demanded a trade and the Bears should have should capitulate and let him go elsewhere because it's a better situation for everyone going forward. Justin Fields needs a little more support than they're giving him, and they are in a rebuild. So can we be both at the same time?
2: I like that spin.
0: Yeah, um, you got to spend it, baby. Don't give
1: up.
2: Well, you know what, Bears fans, we're both apologizing and saying we were right. I do think we should pivot and talk about a more serious story and a story that I think you have particular expertise in, which is that the Washington Post reported um, that the sentiments among team owners have shifted significantly around the league and that other team owners might want Dan Snyder to sell the team on his own and if not, get votes to vote him out. Yeah. And I wonder, do you think how do you think it's gonna play out from here?
0: So they need two-thirds votes to vote them out. I think that's very unlikely that uh was that twenty-four of the owners vote them out? Seventy-five percent. Yeah. Seventy-five percent. Yeah, I think that's I think that's unlikely to actually happen. I think what they want them to do is probably sell. And this these reporters, this was leaked to them. This is something that the owners and the NFL wants out there. And I'm very reluctant to think that this is about the league's image or about uh, integrity of the owners or them believing that it's bad to have someone, someone running a team that has uh, sexual misconduct. Like I don't think that it's about that, and I'm sure that these, these guys have whatever integrity that they have. I don't know. I don't want to pass judgment on that, but I don't think it's about that. What I think it comes down to, honestly, is about franchise value. And every time you can sell a franchise, it improves everyone else's franchise value and frankly makes them more money on paper than it, than anything else they can do. And with Jeff Bezos in DC now, uh, my guess is they would look to sell to him or to sell to somebody like him. Cause these are incredible uh, like assets to own. They not only earn money but they also make you the coolest guy in whatever city you're in and it makes it easier to close business deals because you're having a negotiation in a luxury box or on the sideline of an nfl game that you own like it it has a lot of value uh that you can't find anywhere else and i my guess is that's what they want so if that's what they want it's probably going to happen eventually i don't see them voting them out but They'll make it uncomfortable enough for him to want to move and they're going to continue to leak stories like this that that embarrass him and make him uncomfortable and they'll force him to sell and they'll go to the highest bidder and it'll be like eight billion dollars. And all the owners will then have added uh, a couple extra billion to their net worth because this franchise is one of the more valuable ones in the league. So why don't they want to vote?
2: Okay, so in that report, they said that basically Jerry Jones is one of Snyder's allies and they think he can wrangle up seven votes and that might make it difficult to vote him out uh, because they'll get the nine on Jerry Jerry and Dan's side. But we heard so much. Now it feels like utter hogwash over the last decade decade about protect the shield. We need to protect the shield with all these stories. Why don't the owners want to vote him out? This dude's a disgrace. I get from DC, I've been a fan my whole life on the field, off the field. We can list all the things he's done. And there are many from, you know, selling Pentagon hats that profited off of 9-11 in 2001 to 42 accusations of sexual harassment to sexual misconduct that he settled out of court. The list goes on and on. Those are just three things. Why don't they want him out? Like, I know that there's been this excuse, oh, it'll open up shop and, and people will have to look at in their own houses about what other owners are doing. No one can be that bad.
0: Yeah. On top of
2: such a unique precedent
0: on top of all the more important misconduct things, he's been unable to get a stadium built, which uh, matters to these teams. And he's also been unable to put a successful product in one of the most uh, lucrative locations in the country, which hurts everybody else's revenue. If they could play better, they could. So like the Jaguars being great, I don't make much money for everyone else. Um, Washington commanders being great, that puts a lot more money for them all, uh, in the coffers. Okay. All that aside, I think the setting a precedent is one is part of it too, but they are people and they have a relationship with this guy. They're in a club. It's only 31 of them. They know each other and they have friendships and relationships. I think it's hard to, to spin that, to then vote somebody out, but it gets a lot easier when sponsors get upset. And that's what moves them as uncomfortable as it is. I I don't believe that the stories about sexual misconduct and sexual harassment. I don't think that moves them to act. It should, but it doesn't. What moves them is if we as a fan base turn on them, which will lead sponsors to not want to be associated with them. Like that's the defense in the negotiations that I had um, with the league cba negotiations that was the big sticking point when we're talking about commissioner discipline is the real argument that they were making is it hurts the way we are all perceived which then hurts the amount of money we can make because no one wants to be associated with a league of air quote thugs and it's like we had a couple guys getting in trouble every now and then which obviously we all know that athletes get in trouble at a lower percentage than like the general public for their age group but it's much higher profile so and then you get the idea that this league is a bad league and then it makes it harder for them to sell things then impacts all of us the odd thing about this and the several owners that have had issues is no one seems to care about how it yeah. makes the league look you know and no sponsors are willing to we saw with the suns the PayPal was it right? The they like mm-hmm. put their sponsorship on the line because they didn't want to be associated with it, and I think that had as much to do with them pushing out sarver as anything. So, I think um then FedEx at one point had an issue with Dan Snyder, and that's the type. He of stuff just that, bought him out. Yeah, he
2: bought out the minority owners. It was <laughs> the whole team now.
0: Yeah, that's the type of stuff that matters. And then if you buy him out, it doesn't matter. But. Yeah, I think that's what it comes down to is they care about what it means to them. And when there's an opportunity to increase their franchise value, they're going to take it. Uh, And we can't expect them to be uh, kind of guided by the morals that we believe they should be guided by. But to be
2: the only thing I push back on, it has affected the fan base. You and I both live here. Right. No one likes the team. Like we begrudgingly are like, oh, it's on TV. And like we, we historically like the team no one wants to go to fedex no one wants to root for this team the from everything from the team naming process to the way it's been managed it's like a farce and a joke and embarrassing and it's, this is a t- this is like a city that you know as early, as as recently as 10 years ago with rg3 like any glimmer of hope we will be obsessed with the team
0: yeah i mean the so dc is known as the chocolate city it's a lot less black than it once was But there's always been a tension between the Washington football team and the black residents because they were one of the last teams to integrate and they had like an openly racist uh, owner. Uh, And that's why you end up, if you come here, you'll see like a lot of Cowboys fans. And because the Cowboys had black players and they would come to town and whoop Washington's ass and the black people in the city appreciated that and so they that's the foundation of a very black city not supporting this team to start with and then you go from that to all this other failure and them doing all these embarrassing things going forward and reckless things it's hard to get behind them and not winning you had um doug williams which win a super bowl which uh, i guess Helped in some ways, and RG3 comes about and plays well, helps in some ways, but they can't have anything sustained and nothing worth holding on to. And you don't want to be associated with it. And the in game experience stinks like the stadium's not in Washington, the stadium is hard to get to and get out of. This is all like uh, in the weeds of Washington sports culture, but all that matters uh, to the fan yeah. base around here. And you're right, whoever gets it next the sky's the limit because the place it's a very wealthy area and an important area and a team with some history that should matter. So I, I still don't think it anything happens because they're in a club. It's a club. And you know how people are with the people who are like them in the club, they rally around them and you're going to have to get them to like, literally sell him out. And if the number is big enough, I think they'll do it. That's, that's sort of how I feel, too. I mean, as, as fired up as I was, like,
2: let us know when, they, when he actually starts the process of selling the team.
0: Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10
1: hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this, too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals
0: engage with our proprietary AI Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight,
1: S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be.
0: All right, is the homework time? Yeah, it's homework time. You gave me the homework assignment of like explaining Amara St. Brown. Uh and so I looked into it, watched all of his uh his targets and receptions and he's third in the league in targets, which is oh, he has the third most targets in the league, which is crazy. Fourth most receptions, second most touchdowns. He's a fourth-round pick out of USC. He's not supposed to have numbers like that. So I watched what was going on and I really wanted to see him just be a dominant presence that's not what i saw i wanted to see Mm. like the second coming of another great great wide receiver and maybe he'll turn into that but that's not what i saw i saw him finding holes in zones which is good and working out of the slot mostly um which in the slot you deal with a uh, nickel corner or linebackers when you're in zone and stuff like that. It's not the best corner. You rarely get pressed, which is really hard. And I looked up the numbers. All right. So in the slot, he had 14 receptions on 20 targets, 111 yards. When he's not in the slot, he had nine receptions off of 13 targets and 142 yards. And I was like, Oh, I'm wrong. He's not dominating in a slot. He's doing it everywhere. No. Then I watched all the plays and saw that when he wasn't in the slot, he was on the outside, but he was in stacks and bunches, which is it gives you the same benefit. And he ends up motioning or running his route in the slot again also. So I don't mean this to say that he's bad. He's great. And it's clear that uh, Jared Goff and the lions believe in him because he has 33 targets by far the most on that team. That's not going to stop. That's not going to change. So from a fantasy standpoint, yeah, more power to you. But if you think that he's like a true number one receiver that they found in the fourth round, I haven't seen that yet. He's not seeing, seeing those type of coverages, and he won't. If you're in the slot, you have more. You have a two-way go. It's just a lot easier for a receiver to work in the slot than it is anywhere else. And that's where Cooper Cup makes his money. So maybe he can yeah. grow into something like Cooper Cup. I don't mean it as a slight, but he's not like Devontae. He's not Chase. He's not any of these guys. He's putting up numbers that are similar to them. But he's doing it in a way that uh, that nothing that he has done is like mind blowing and impressive, which doesn't mean that he can't be effective long range. I guess the, the one thing I'll point to that I thought that I saw a couple times that was kind of special for a guy of his size is he's like contested catches. He was making some contested catches that I thought were impressive. And he also shows an understanding for a game for the game that is rare for a young receiver and finding the holes in the zone and being like quarterback friendly. So he is a very good player, a great find for the fourth round, but you tripping if you think that he's the same as some of those other guys that are at the top of the receiving numbers.
2: So can you explain why it's less impressive to get those numbers from the slot? Why aren't numbers just numbers? And why aren't numbers looked at, especially, especially when you're doing with Jared
0: Goff? <laughs> yeah, and Jared Goff hasn't been terrible. Um, yeah, he's been so it's a it's a shorter, easier throw. Um, the number one corners are normally on the outside. So you're getting normally the third corner is in the slot. And some teams will put when they go nickel, they'll put uh, one of their top corners, their first or second corner in the slot also. But generally, um, you're not putting your best corner in there. And one of the advantage, one of the few advantages you have as a corner when you're on the outside is you can press, get physical on them. And you also have. The field reduced. But when you're in the slot, there's you can go anywhere. Like You can run in just as far in as you can out. Um, And it's a lot more ground to cover. And you rarely get pressed because you're off the line and you're motion and those sorts of things. So it's a little bit easier in the slot. And that's where Cooper Cup eats. That's why even though Cooper Cup puts up big numbers, no one's going to call him the best receiver in football because he's not doing it in the ways that other people are doing it in because he's white and that doesn't help him either. <laughs> nobody nobody wants to accept that a white man can be the best receiver in, in football, which um is fun and funny. But also it's 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 true to say, yeah, I mean it's it's fair to point out that it's easier to do it from the slot than it is elsewhere. And you'll you'll see like some of the top receivers. You saw Justin Jefferson, a lot of his plays, they'll motion him down to the slot. Obviously, he's comfortable at a true number one as an ex. Whatever. But also, yeah, you put people in the slot, it makes it easier to work. Got it. Good enough answer. So, yeah, get them on your franchise team. But um, I don't know if you want him to be your team's number one receiver. That's that's actually. I'm fascinated by this because
2: I think the narrative surrounding him is completely opposite online. When people yeah. when people who don't understand the game as much look at the raw numbers and look at the touchdowns that pop up on Renzo channel and the big plays.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I, I get it. I mean, I said, franchise. Yeah. get him on your fantasy team, but I, and maybe he'll grow into it and he'll make me look wrong. Like Josh Allen did, but I don't see him as a true number one uh, in his career, which is fine. He's a fourth round pick Turn into like yeah. a number one target from the slot is, is plenty. That's good.
2: Should, uh, should we run through our bets really quick to close this out? How much money did we
0: make these people this week?
2: We went four and three. So a little bit when you take the juice off of it. Okay. But we hit on Kyle Pitts going over 46.5 yards. That was so all you good us job. Us the back. All right. We hit on Justin Fields under 182.5 yards. Layup. Yep. We lost on Colts Chiefs. We took the <laughs> we took the Chiefs minus five and a half. And you know what? I still think we were right in process yeah, on that yeah, one. We were right.
0: I mean, there was no way to predict the special teams having a muff punt, a punt down at the one, a missed field goal, and a fake field goal that failed. That's not our fault. I blame Mm -hmm. them. All right, let's go talk to my wife. All right, back by popular, popular demand. It's everyone's favorite Foxworth in the Roses and Thorns segment. My wife, Ashley.
3: It's not popular demand. It's your fear of firing me from my... 10 minutes like it's gonna be really awkward guys and suddenly he's like you know what i don't have the 10 minutes to spare <laughs> on my podcast you've got to no, go
0: people actually i
3: told him it'll be fine like i'll be fine people with people actually
0: but really do nervous. love you and you bring great color great sweater uh nice thank
3: you and thank you giving, thank you i like giving people things.
0: more than more than they deserve honestly on this podcast right now but <laughs>
3: you less.
0: I don't they, they get they get more than they deserve from me too. It's free.
3: I mean you give less aesthetically. Look at uh, look at anyway, look at you wear white t-shirts yeah. and
0: that's not why people come bored. here for me. I'm not cute.
3: Okay, I know. I know. It's podcast. People don't come. I'm just saying since you want to say I was giving more, I'm saying you're giving less, but that's neither here nor anyway, there. that's
0: one of the many differences in us. Another one that is very clear. I was listening to a podcast this weekend about uh a crisis in masculinity. <laughs> which was let's do a lot of podcasts and this one I found interesting because I mean it was talking about politics and how it impacts all that and how it creates an opportunity for uh men to like galvanize around problematic views of masculinity but one of the segments of the podcast they talked about like the history or at least one of the segments of the podcast talked about how women are generally much more successful in school and uh <laughs> traditionally women are uh marry like across and up as far as like success is concerned and that's changing a lot it's oh, so, like the top tier now there's no <laughs> yeah, way for it's them changing a lot um <laughs> and women are starting to marry across and down or at least have not get married at all have relationships across and down and then they talked yeah, about good how in black households uh the this is not a new phenomenon the tradition has like often been women uh, are more accomplished academically and often in many cases more successful professionally uh, than their counterparts and it made me think of us because you are by far way smarter than me and Uh, it's uh it doesn't make me i'm
3: much better educated than him but i love him anyway you're actually but i let you be more successful Actually, you're
0: not better educated than me
3: yes i am formally i mean
0: all right we're, okay, not gonna you got, this. No, We're not going to get into this. We're not going to know. We're not. You are. I, I, I take it back.
3: I let you be more successful. I'm so kind that I don't want to make him feel bad. So I just let him go out here and get all these jobs and be really successful <laughs> to feed into his, like, whatever toxic, these toxic masculinity I ideas. I that that um,
0: idea is toxic. That particular portion of masculinity, like the desire to, like hunt you know like because
3: generally it was saying it was a problem like the no the i think the podcast the, was the saying podcast problem was problem or it's a problem for women no, the, or the podcast or it's all fine. was
0: saying that a lot of um a lot of masculinity gets gets uh put into this toxic masculinity framework when some like traditional okay. forms of masculinity are not necessarily toxic and at least um maybe this is me defending myself the like desire to go out and like work and do like that doesn't feel like a toxic
3: no it's definitely not no no, no. i was just oh, yeah, i know
0: I, I know you don't think i, but I wasn't playing that like it, i know that it, you don't have a
3: i don't with. i wasn't playing that i feel like it's a good balance because at least like something similar to this that i've read talked about how like it kind of strains the relationship when the woman is sometimes and it shouldn't i'm not saying it should but i've read something that said that that was so, a light person because i'm more educated i let you be more successful. You are welcome. It is a gift that I have decided not to go out and use all of my knowledge to improve the world or build a billion dollar empire. I know you are you're being welcome.
0: like kind of sarcastic, but like in actuality, like you, if you actually wanted to, you would be a lot more. Anyway, it's a whole nother thing. Like I, I would not well, be capable of doing the things that you do nearly as well as I think you would be like, you obviously are very educated and smart and charismatic and Attractive, you would have success in the professional world if you wanted to. I wish you would. Then I would go home and take a nap every now and (laughs) then. You could retire. Just chill. But
3: here's the thing: when we first started, um, not when we first started dating. That was a long time ago. When we were first married and we had our first kid, I was finishing law school at the time and studying for the bar, and he was like seeing the end of his NFL career, like realizing like I'm not going to do this much longer. He swore he was going to be a stay at home dad, y'all. That is and I and I I was raised by two parents who both do the same thing. Like my mother works just as yeah. hard and is just as educated as my dad. And she also raised four children while doing this job. Like she's a superhero. And and I know plenty of other women like that. Um and it wasn't that she was like the breadwinner. Both of my parents, like I said, they're both doctors, they both did the same thing. Um but I never thought that I wouldn't work. So, like, at the time I'm in law school, like, busting my butt with our newborn and envisioning, like, and I knew I didn't have to have like a super lucrative job because we were really great. I was, you know, lucky and he had worked hard and, you know, had money from football. Um, But I just thought I was going to go out and change the world. And then, And he was gonna, he said he was gonna be the stay at home dad. And not that there needs to be a stay at home parent, but that was the way we kind of envisioned our future. And then I kind of started liking being with my kids and we moved and I wasn't barred in all the places we moved. And now, what are we now? 12 years later, here I am. I do some pro bono stuff, but generally, Not working and showing up for 12 minutes on his podcast.
0: (laughs) I I remember when we first started dating and the fact that you were going to a fancy law school and were really smart was like really attractive to me. And I had like envisioned some idea of the future where I could be like a make money, whatever, be done, be a stay at home dad. And then you like jump into some high powered legal career. And that's what I thought I wanted. And then I tore my ACL and you were studying for the bar and I was essentially a stay at home dad with one with miserable. one child. And I was like a sweet baby. Yeah, she was the easiest, a sweet, yeah, perfect she was baby. the easiest baby. And I was miserable because whatever. Yes. And maybe this is a masculine trait or maybe it's not. I don't know what it is, but I have it. I got to compete. <laughs> like, I got to do something. And like trying to get my baby to walk at six months is not a good outlet. for. Her.
3: She did walk at nine, though. She walked at nine. And remember, your teammate was there to see you. You were like, look at that. Mind you, I also walked at nine months. She got it from me, probably not from you, but that's well, okay. all
0: the goals that she scores in soccer every weekend. Not from you. Every single Based, every based on all you.
3: I never I played soccer from fourth through eighth grade. And honestly, I don't I don't think I ever scored one goal in the whole time. And like we go to our daughter's games and she gets like two and three goals again. I'm like damn, Like I never
0: got a lot. It's not for me. Well, she can loan you a couple. All right, that was a lot of preamble. I know that's I to feel. the roses and thorns. Um, the the okay, concept. Sorry. You can cut is, it out, guys. Is I I spend a lot of time critiquing other people, so I wanted to bring in the only boss that I care about that can give me my performance review. So let me know.
3: I need you to care about other bosses though nah, too. Remember, I you... Don't care <laughs> I you care about that.
0: I only care about making you. them happy because I know that I can't come home if. Uh, them checks don't keep showing up.
3: <laughs> Shut up. Anyway, um, roses. Okay. Look behind him. If you're looking, there are some things up there. He stole a pile of kids Ooh. artwork that I plan to put somewhere else and put it up behind him. Now I still have critiques. I'll do some early thorns. It's on a weird angle. I said it, center it. It's like, not really filled in, but he made an attempt. Yay, Rose, flowers for you. Another Rose, actually, I, just heard about I hear a toilet running. Yeah, I hear the toilet running near here, and you're gonna need to fix that. He has gotten to be like, such a good plumber. Mm. Um, Man, like, damn
0: right. oh, you're talking about fixing pipes? My bad.
3: Garbage disposals, Apology. drains, toilets, and we have some really tricky, like, our house has like some a mix of like old and new stuff, and so some of it's just a little thing, like
0: which I don't understand.
3: Yeah, it's so like from all these other places. And I'm like, can you just bring me Cola? or give me the good American stuff? But anyway, he's gotten so good at fixing things. Like, I kind of feel bad because I know he's Masculine. busy, but I'm like, oh, we need to clear these drains. We need to fix this toilet for money. Now you need to fix this tall toilet for money, babe. But that is man great. Is when man. we first got married, I was very concerned, not concerned, because I was like, "That's what you hire a handyman for." He was not the most handy person, but I don't know what's changed. Like you've gotten just YouTube videos, you've gotten. Have you noticed that about yourself? Before I'd be like, "It's okay, we'll call my dad or we'll call my little brother; they'll figure it out." Now,
0: I mean, it's YouTube and just necessity, and also, it's nothing sexier than a man that can fix stuff. So I gotta gotta stay hot. I don't let me tell you. you, I don't want you you to leave me for a handyman. (laughs) I don't know. I, I. You've you can afford to pay somebody to fix it was the the general philosophy, but then you feel like you are getting uh, ripped off, and also not only ripped off, like stuff don't get fixed fast enough.
3: You have to wait. Yeah, and that's stuff.
0: the. I think that's the more impetus, more than anything, is like I have YouTube. I think I'm smart enough to understand it, and I'll try. I, I've failed in the past, and then we have to come get somebody to come in behind and fix it. But like, I don't know, we'll figure it out. But yeah, I'm proud of my. This might be TMI.
3: Work. But the real impetus is we have separate bathrooms at our house. And like, honestly, now every time I think I want to move, I'm like, but do I have my own bathroom? Because I never want to go back to sharing with him. Um, So we have separate showers and separate toilets. And anytime my shower drain, me and my daughter both have way too much hair, my oldest. So my drain from washing gets like clogged. Anytime it's clogged, like, it's okay. We'll just go to your shower. Or like when my toilet wasn't working, I was like, oh, the plumber can probably come in a week. He's like, <laughs> You will not share my shower. You will not ruin my grade too. I do not want you pooping in my toilet. Like he is like, you get your butt back uh-huh. in your bathroom and he fixes it. And I'll be like, no, babe, don't worry. And I know that really he's gonna I'm like, it's fine, I'll just use yours. Um, it's right next to mine. And then I he didn't realize shower, I was so being you, manipulated,
0: babe. but I'm fine with it. It's okay. All right.
3: He is because he doesn't want to share with me. Thorns. You. I'm sorry, they can edit, just edit out, edit Nothing
0: out. Nothing to edit, let it ride. Oh.
3: The ones that you stole the art to reiterate, um, but then also, and I thought of this when you were talking about the podcast earlier. Okay. So he's super knowledgeable because he always listens to podcasts. I literally have only listened to serial, which I heard is like was scripted and not like what other podcasts are like. That's the only podcast I've ever listened to, which you might be able to tell, cause I don't really know what I'm doing here, but he's always got at least one AirPod in his ear, and often it's annoyingly one AirPod. So, like, I see the free ear, and I'm like, "Oh, he's listening to me." And then I realize, as like I'm looking at him and see him not responding, or to the children sometimes that I'm like, "He cannot hear us (laughs) because he's freaking." I didn't curse. I'm getting better at this podcasting thing. He has an AirPod in the other ear. He's like constantly listening to podcasts, like even at night, he has one in and is listening. And sometimes I guess AirPods shouldn't do this, but I guess it probably slips or turns on an angle that I can hear it a little bit through his single AirPod. I think the time it irritates me most is when we're in the car. And so if he's driving and I'm on the passenger side, he has the left AirPod in. So I'm talking to my see the free right ear and I'm just talking and blah, blah, blah. And then eventually, I realized that I have been like lied to. Basically, is what I feel like this whole time because he's like it's made me hate AirPods. Like, like to the point that I imagine if there were, I'm sure I would feel differently. But if there was like if he had a mistress or an emotional affair with somebody, I feel like that's how I feel about the AirPod. Like that he's having this emotional affair, not physical. No such thing. Okay, I probably not. You're right. But that in my mind, like when he says he loses an AirPod, I'm like, never never (laughs) to find it. Then just go buy more. But like, I want to take them and toss them, except for I know he's bought so many pairs. He's just going to keep buying more pairs. But I I hate AirPods. You see me with my old school wired headphones because I just have a thing about AirPods. I like refuse. And it's all because.
0: Well, I mean, if I I'll stop using the AirPods and I'll just keep a wired one in all the time. I'm sorry.
3: Okay, no, exa- I'll, yeah, I'll correct yeah. this. The AirPod just makes it so easy. I will easy. correct this. You don't behavior. have to correct it. No. It makes you so knowledgeable. No, 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 like, no. I'm gonna this had... I'm
0: gonna stop the AirPod habit and pick up a cocaine habit. That's my new habit.
3: Well, exactly. You, you choose. To make rocks, your choices. Baby. I'll, I'll stick with. Let's <laughs> stick with the AirPods. Well, I, I love you too. Bye.
0: Bye. We're up in the same house. What do you mean oh, bye? What's
3: that? Well, I mean, we're hanging out the thing and you're going to keep working because we need you to keep working.
0: (laughs) I guess that's fair. All right. Love you.
3: I go plant some plants outside or some shit, whatever I'm supposed to do now. (laughs) Bye.
0: All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. More importantly, thank my team for making this thing great. Charlie, you're the man, Addie Kahn. I appreciate you, Sarah Abbott, the greatest poet I know, and Christina Buswell. Appreciate all of you guys. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show.